Hello everyone and welcome to the Mortgage Show podcast. My name is Monty and I'm your host of the show that investigates and discusses the latest news and views in the mortgage market and the general financial world, all delivered in a down-to-earth, challenging and sometimes even witty way. We have another interesting show lined up for you today looking at the more specialist side of the mortgage market, which has grown substantially over the past few years or so. To guide us through this important part of the market, I'm delighted to be joined by two lender legends, both of whom have contributed much to the sector and are well-known voices in their own right. First up, we have Louisa Sedgwick, who's the Director of Sales at Vida Home Loans. Welcome. Thank you. Hello. Hello. And she's joined on, I must say, a very comfortable-looking sofa by uh, Adrian Maloney, who's the sales director of One Savings Bank. Welcome, Abe. Hello, Monty. Well, it's great to have you both here. Well, thanks for inviting Looking me. very relaxed and chilled, <laughs> chilled. On, our, on our lovely sofa. Um, so, right, first off, there's been a lot of discussion around the specialist market and what, what, what it actually is. Um, it seems to have merged more than ever with the mainstream market in a, a sort of a big grey haze. So how would you, how would you describe it? What, what is the specialist market? That's a good question, isn't it, really? Because I think, the, <laughs> I think the, as you say, the specialist market has grown from what was really fringe markets that the, the mainstream wouldn't play in. And I, I guess, you know, one of the one of the biggest areas for, for all of us is buy to let, which is yeah. as a result of the tax changes um, and, and the regulatory changes kind of played into the, the specialist lenders um, space. Um but also, it's, a, it's it's about I guess residential stuff that doesn't go through the sausage factories mm, of mm. the mainstream lenders that we've both worked for historically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of it's it what what falls off the high street, I suppose. Yeah. So, you know, um, you're Mr. and Mrs. Smith with a thirty percent deposit and a very clean credit history, and you know, very straightforward jobs will go through the mainstream lender, and that's absolutely fine. But anything that kind of deviates from that, so even if they've got a previous credit blip, mm. or maybe they've got a complex income, or that's made up. From various different sources whether that be benefits or maybe they've got two jobs and things like that then they kind of can't trip onto the high street that they fall off it go to see an intermediary and that's when the specialist lender kicks in yeah i, I think the interesting bit is it's it's not the subprime market of 2007 no you know, no it doesn't exist no. anymore no, no, absolutely not. A, a lot of what we do is you know on the residential side is actually prime stuff whereby perhaps they want an element of interest only or the ltv is slightly higher or the loan yeah. is larger than yeah. what you'd see on the high street. Or maybe, you know, it's not the customer that's specialist. It might be the property that's yeah. specialist. So it could well be that they want a, you know, a flat above a shop, for example, that a mainstream lender wouldn't necessarily yeah. lend on. And is there one area within all that that's you've seen the biggest growth in? Is it is it is it buy to let limited companies or is it so, actually I mean, on the resi side? If you look, if you look at buy to let, I think limited companies there has been some um, tremendous growth in that. In particular, where around purchase, mm. not so much around the remortgage market because I think people are still getting their heads around how they flip it from in their own sole name into a limited company, um, which is doable but you know um, not easy. Um, so I think a lot of growth in purchase business within um, within buy to let is happening within the limited company space. If you look at residential, we see a lot of as I mentioned earlier complex incomes, places, mm. uh, people getting various different um, incomes derived from various different sources, um, but also maybe if they're going to parents to help them onto the housing ladder, for example, so you've got maybe the house parents going onto the mortgage yeah. um, alongside the, the individual that wants to, to live in the property. So we've seen growth, um, but I think it's it's basically 
because of the market. The market's driven the growth. Um, yes, the changes within the buy-to-let sector have driven growth into limited mm. company, but the market's changing and people's circumstances are very different to what they yeah. were 10 years ago. So that will drive growth naturally anyway. Is that good? Is that down to a failure of the, the mainstream lenders to compete and, and, and look after those types of clients? Or, or are we actually seeing the mainstream lenders do more of that as they chase well, I, I, better margin I think I think you will see some, you know, you may see some of the, I mean, you've got the top six, the ultimate top six, you know, yeah. if you want to talk, the, the European qualifiers in footballing terms, who... In fact, you, you, you took longer than I thought to yeah, bring yeah, that yeah, up. Yeah. Aid <laughs> is still <laughs> smiling. Well, it would still uh, be hard to work that smile <laughs> my face from the other night, but... But, you know, they are probably very happy and very focused. They're obviously doing the lending that, that, that they want. They're retaining more customers mm. in, yeah. in the main. Um, and then you've got kind of the, the, the next group of lenders where you might see some of those guys. You've seen people like Virgin Money change some of their criteria mm. lately um, to, to move into sort of other sectors. Um, and then you've got the, the group of us that, that kind of sit in, the, in what you would define as the specialist sector, but all doing quite good volumes um, these days. So, but sort of back to the... The previous um, question about areas of growth, I mean, we're slightly different to Vida in that we've got three brands within the yeah. One Savings Bank group. And, and, you know, Kemp Reliance was predominantly set up as a buy-to-let lender. It's the majority of our business. But we've seen increases in things like shared ownership um, where it doesn't fit, fit, yeah. fit the mainstream. But also through our commercial brand interbase. So, you know, definitely a, an increase in commercial, semi-commercial short-term or bridging is, is, is grown for us. but yeah. And I don't think you would see the high street come into that sector, but I think you, you've you already seen it in buy-to-let with people like, you know, one of the big two, TMW, start to look at their portfolio yeah. and, mm. and, and limited company proposition. Yeah, and I think I mean, some of the building societies mm. do really well in the specialist space because they can, because yeah, of the right. way in which they're yeah. funded. Um, so they do really well. For me, if, there's, if the bigger lenders become more involved in the specialist space, it's not a bad thing because actually what will happen is indirectly... You you're going to educate the consumer to say you don't need to be a prolific renter. You can actually now get a mortgage because mm. when the likes of the top five that um, Adrian's mentioned, all your high street guys, start to offer a little bit of specialism, the customer wakes up. And I think that's a really good yeah. positive message. Um, so, yes, they will probably dabble into some parts of the specialist market, not the, the, the real specialisms and the real niche stuff that we would we would um, probably help. Um, but the, the maybe the outlying stuff or maybe, you know, if they've seen a... A credit blip in the last six months or something yeah. like that or you know telecoms blip um they'll probably help those customers and that's that, that as i say that's not a bad thing because then the customer realizes wakes up to the fact that they can get a mortgage and yeah you've got, you've got the recent paper with you know about the conduct authority and those le those borrowers that are perhaps trapped with lenders that are if you like more like servants yeah, mortgage prisoners now no they're not prisoners <laughs> <laughs> they're not incarcerated oh, no, no, they haven't no, done anything wrong but, 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 <laughs> we might come back to that if, if you look at some of the, the proposals under that around affordability and helping some of those clients off closed books, if mm. you like, mm. that may be where you see some of the high streets start to look at, which maybe those clients would have tri potentially fallen into our market, depending on what yeah, the, the background yeah. of their credit looks yeah. like. Yeah, so, I mean, one consequence of the mainstream coming in is, is obviously pressure on prices, and we have seen a new an, an influx of new lenders and competition in the specialist arena and and that's really rife and i've heard some complaints from lenders that actually margins are being squeezed too much is that the case how long can that continue and is that one of the reasons why you've seen a couple of specialist lenders maybe 
pull out and go, do you know what? I just can't, I can't make the margins work. Yeah, I mean, what what you tend to find in the specialist sector is there will there'll be a, a cutting rate and there'll be a leader that cuts in rate, and then you probably find two or three followers that'll cut in rates, but it is very um, short term because they'll realise that actually the margins are too tightly squeezed because mm. the because the way in which we're funded, um, different to one savings bank, but if you look at the way in which a lot of specialist lenders are funded, us us in particular, you know we have various different funding lines and they all need a cut from the money that you make um, off off the back of a mortgage, and then you've got um, an equity share as well, so they need some money back from the yeah. what you make from the mortgage. So if you start trying to sell you know, £10 notes for a fiver, as is, you know, quoted regularly, <laughs> yeah. you're not going to make any money. Your margins do become squeezed. And then the the lights of what we've seen, unfortunately, with a couple of the specialist lenders, um, it wasn't off the back of having no funding. It was off the back of no. not being able to yeah. make a profit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so if you chase to the to the bottom um, in the specialist world, then ultimately um, you won't make any money. So I think that... The mainstream guys can do that because of the way in which they're funded um, and actually, you know, the, the risk against some of the customers that they would lend to is, mm. is slightly less. But when you're talking about more complicated funding lines, um, you can't race to the bottom because you then become non-profitable. So the best yeah. thing to do is probably hold tight, maybe write a little bit less business, but actually what you then do write is profitable. Yeah. I, I think it's, it, it doesn't just stop with the, the specialist sector because I think you will see a squeeze on some of those lenders that are trying to compete in the mainstream market. You meant the, you know, the old anecdote, £10 notes for a fiver, mm. one of my personal favourites. But um, <laughs> anyway, that, 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 that aside, it is harder for some of those guys to compete in the mainstream market alone with, yeah. with that big six because of well, the, the, what the cost of their Well, buy-to-let rates from 1.99. I mean, it's just... I yeah. looked at it yesterday, quoting a client. I was like, oh, my God, that's... A five-year fix to that sort of, yeah. sort of costing. So we, you know, we couldn't fund at that kind of pricing and make money and I, I doubt Vida could either and, and hence we look at it slightly different different yeah. ways but it, it, it's kind of it was kind of interesting seeing some of those lenders decide that they just couldn't make it work anymore mm. because mm. some of the pricing that you saw from from some of those brands for the risk they were taking didn't seem oh. correct to, to me um, and you talk about an influx of new lenders I mean you, you get more lenders come in but some of them are they seriously writing any volume mm. or any real volume yeah. and that's you, you, you know yeah, we. I mean, we talk. If you sat and talked to all of the lenders on your panel um, at Corico, for example, and say, "What are your lending aspirations for 2019?" You add them all together, it's, and it's nowhere near it's what the market no. could, could yeah, possibly write. Right. Yeah. So somebody somewhere has to be a little bit more realistic with their aspirations, and you know, that that's absolutely fine. Yeah, and uh, I word this carefully, Aid, because uh, there might be things you can't talk about. <laughs> and actually, a journalist worded this for me. So um, you're using a Game of Thrones analogy. So uh, following on from that, so the battle for Winterfell has begun in this in this market. Uh, in the mortgage market, will you see outright winners or a combination of lenders joining together and, and merging? <laughs> that, uh, that Will you see more consolidation? I don't watch Game of Thrones, so it's kind of wasted <laughs> on me. Uh, I, I mean, there's an obvious bit there that I could only point people to the information on the website yeah, course, uh, yeah. about what, what I think the, the journalist was, was wording towards. And, uh, you know, I can't say any more of that. But I, I guess you will see, just in terms of, I guess, winners and losers, if you like, you will see some lenders do more. As Louisa said, some do less because ultimately not everyone can hit the aspirations mm. that they're wanting to. And if, if all... If everyone was hitting the lending aspirations they, they wanted to, we'd probably have a mortgage market double the size that we would at the end of this year. <laughs> and, and some, yeah. 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 
Um, I, I think that um, if I was to be a gambling person, which I'm not, and I don't watch Game of Thrones, I did watch it once and fell asleep, but sorry about that. Sure. Um, it was one of the longer episodes. <laughs> um, so if if I was to, to take a gamble, I would suggest that we probably will see some more consolidation in the market over the next 12 um, months. But you might find that that happens more so in maybe some of the building society mm. communities because of the, there are some very small societies um, that could benefit from you know moving into a into a bigger society. So I think I think you will see some more consolidation. I think what you won't see is anybody else entering the market because right. it is so expensive, um, and in this type of market you would be unless you've got something that is fundamentally different to what's already yeah, out there, I agree. You, you really wouldn't want to enter this market at the moment. And it's interesting, especially the timing's kind of everything. It was right for, for OSB when they did it. I mean, obviously, Vida, you've been trading now for a few years. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. would be a lot harder to come in and probably try and do the kind of volumes that our respective brands do by entering into a market that's already quite competitive yeah. at the moment. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's costs that go alongside that. You have to get people out in the field. You have to get underwriting. You All have the to technology. Get it's, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's immense. The actual cost to set up a new lender properly yeah. and to do it with all the um, your marketing, the brand stuff is huge. Um, I just look at one of the markets and looking at the buy-to-let market itself, obviously a lot of your businesses is buy-to-let. Do you think landlords have finally got to grips with all the... All the changes, the tax changes, the underwriting changes. Um, do they even understand them? They put their heads in the sand. And and also, do you think that possibly we will see a mass exodus of, of landlords? So, I mean, I'd, in my opinion, I think we're still in a period of flux because I don't yeah. think that they really do yet understand it because, of course, they've only been hit with the first year's um, effects so far. So at the moment, it's probably still working out reasonably affordable um, or it's, it's still, you know... Um, worthwhile doing it but i think as the next um uh, stages kick in um you might find a number of landlords that say do you know that this is just not working for me anymore for a variety of different reasons do i think you'll see a mass exodus no i don't but i think that you might lose the um amateur landlords yeah um yeah moving towards the more professional landlords um i think you know a byproduct of the changes was from a government perspective was that this was going to kick start the first time buyer market because there'll be yeah. more properties into the market and i've said this before the, the properties that are going to come onto the market are not first time buyer properties because your first time buyer is now in the may, mid to late 30s mm. and actually they're buying their family home so they're buying the next level up so they're not buying the two up two yeah. down properties which would have been what yeah. they would have aspired to buy in their 20s now they're buying in the 30s and they're thinking this is a longer term investment for me or you know i want to live in this property for longer because i'm going to have a family in the property so they're skipping that yeah that uh, first totally generation yeah. first time buyer property yeah. and i think those are the ones that will come on back onto the market so i don't think it's going to resolve an issue that actually was not um an mm. issue because of, of landlords. but we are seeing high levels of first time buyers come back now yeah, is that then different reasons? Some of it would be helped by the moment. Yeah, but you know, I mean, it's it, bank of mum and dad was yep. a top ten lender in its own yeah. right nowadays, yeah. and mm. probably slightly higher higher than 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 that. I kind of agree with Louisa in terms of the properties that come back onto the market from landlords are not necessarily the type that 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 some people want to buy. Um, it's like a, a kind of interesting bit is you know buy to let is an investment, and actually some of the properties that landlords put back onto the market are the ones that are not making them the desired money <laughs> so you change, yeah, you change your investment yeah. strategy yeah. don't you um 
I kind of definitely agree with Louise. I mean, we don't see you know whether you want to call them dinner party amateur to landlords yeah. potentially come to one savings bank you know the business we do with with you guys at Coraco Monte tends to be those that have got five six seven yeah, properties added right. to their portfolio mm-hmm. we have seen landlords come and take capital out you know a lot of them got really lowly geared portfolios mm, yeah. come and take capital right. or money out to be ready to purchase the next opportunity because they still see buy to let um, as a good investment and I, I use London as an example we were, we were doing something similar to this the other week in that people are now starting to look at the London market and start to buy again because if you were looking at the London market or certain areas two years ago the investment you want to make is now 20% cheaper in, in, in some areas not yeah. all I, I acknowledge that so actually for some if you've got the capital you've got the money it's a good time to buy yeah, again now investment. yeah no I agree with that We've seen a lot of buy to let landlords take out cash from their portfolio yeah. and just hold it Waiting for the opportunities. Yeah. If we go back to that other bit, finance is cheap. One nine nine with with some. If yeah. you can get that one nine nine, your 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 money is 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 cheap, and they are looking for that opportunity. I think the going back to the bit about the changes, the bigger landlords who have done limited companies, if you like, for a while, or held their portfolios for a long period of time, are kind of aware of what they need to do with their investment because they've been advised yeah, all the that's, time. That's their job, isn't it? Um, but I think the real bit of credit I would give in, in in terms of the regulatory changes is the way brokers have adapted to it because actually your role is more pivotal than ever before in buy-to-let. Lenders do things in different ways and it's your job to guide your client around the I guess the minefield of different criteria, different documents. Yeah. And, and it wasn't easy, but brokers have adapted to it. We see them complete the documents really well. They use things like e-tech that we use really well mm. and actually the, the service they're giving to the clients is, is second to none yeah mm. so you seeing i know everyone's going mad about technology every every week i read another article that this uh, this company's embraced technology that's going to change the world um is that something that's harder to integrate into the specialist market because of the nature of 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 what you're doing or is it is it still going to have a fundamental effect in in your area think, I, Sorry, I think if you're looking at the end-to-end piece, so if you're looking for um, straight through to offer, um, then it becomes more challenging because the likelihood is that the specialist lender will have um, manual underwriting Mm. process. So the the front end, to to get it to a, this is a DIP accept and then an application, that that can be streamlined really easily. Um, It's the minute that it needs to go and see an underwriter that that's not necessarily as slick because, of course, we have to make manual decisions based on the information that's provided to us. But then you could go back into a system whereby you then get the offer, etc. So I don't think you'll see a a really slick end-to-end technological provision from a um, a specialist lender for that very reason. But you can see some various different things changing that actually just make things quicker. So actually Mm. the only slow bit, if it is slow, um, is the piece when it sits in front of an underwriter to do that manual decision-making process, which is not a bad thing because actually what you tend to find is that underwriter has the opportunity to find a reason to do the to, to do the yeah. mortgage rather than a reason not to do that mortgage so um i don't think that's a bad thing but i don't think you're going to see a full end-to-end piece i think i think we're all we, we've all got integration programs that we want to look at you know there's a lot of that going on in the market with the sourcing systems the crm yeah. providers um you'll probably find that the, the specialist lenders will be followers rather than pioneers of, of that. But I think we all want to make the broker journey easy. I mean, we, we have a constant debate, you know, across our brands in whilst it's a specialist mortgage, why shouldn't you get a prime type lender yeah. experience or a better experience? Mm. 
I mean, I think the, the, the really interesting bit, so we've been originating through Kent Reliance, I think it's about five years now, and we're in the throes of upgrading our platform this year. So that's only five years uh, in, right? Yeah. Um, and probably by the time it comes out, it, you know, you'll be looking at the next one, but <laughs> yeah. that, that's a, a separate one. But the interesting bit is a, 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 of, of the provider we use to, to do our online platform, there are 19 lenders there. That, that use that similar platform in various versions. Yeah. So it would be really interesting there if, you know, as as brokers, we manage to integrate into whatever the front-end systems that brokers use and the CRMs use, that you can actually, by, by using that platform, you could actually drop or also drop the information into every one of those lenders and move yeah, it around, and yeah. that makes it easier. But um, I, I think that the good bit is that a lot of the regulatory changes that we had to do, we've now got over that hurdle. Yeah. And it will be how we can in, in, improve the, the experience you guys get when you use us. Yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah, talking of re- regulation, we've had the FCA uh, <coughs> competition review consultation paper. Um, and one of the things that they're pushing is seems to be an extension of uh, execution only. And there's been a lot of tweets going around this morning that, you know, vanilla is dead and all brokers need to go towards specialists now. And Hurrah. It's going to... <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's crack on. Yeah, we're here. <laughs> so is that, is that true? Do you think there's dangers in, in extending execution only? I, I just wonder why you try to fix something that isn't broken. Um, I think the mortgage market's in pretty good shape, and that's what that paper agree. said. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, it did say that, to be fair, yeah. And, and, and the execution only place... Will it make it easier if you go into if you go direct to a lender who's got an advisor, or it, it, you're flipping a straight remortgage? Um, and I think the other bit that came out was around the bit our clients getting advised on the possibly the cheapest product. But, yeah, don't get me started but, but, on that. Yeah, well, I saw your tweet, but obviously, <laughs> sort of, you know, cheapest isn't always the most appropriate no, for various no, reasons. And, and I'm sure, you know, yeah. I'm pretty sure most brokers go through that bit of. This fits you better. It's quicker. It yeah, suits your needs. Absolutely. Yada, yada, yada. Within a regulatory yeah, environment. Yeah. That's absolutely. what I don't understand. We've always done this. But yeah. Why? Nothing's nothing's changed. No. But no. but you know I think I think if with those changes, will it drive more people down the route of going to a lender which is offering direct? Probably not because I think customers have now got to to the point where. They could go to their branch or building society like their mum and dad did 20 years ago and they always went back to them or whatever. But they actually want the whole of market choice, which is what the intermediary community give, yeah. you know, particularly in mainstream. I mean, I did my own remortgage last year through a broker. You'd be pleased to know. Um, and I was saying, just do the product transfer. He said, I can't do that, Adrian, because it's not best advice. I can save you X amount yeah. of money and that lender can do it in the time scale you want. And I think that's what all the changes in terms of MMR and the other various regulatory bits made this market much more stronger in whole market yeah. advice. Mm. On that, on that PT bit, that's an interesting question. Uh, Louisa is uh, is chomping at the bit already here. <laughs> 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 um, so obviously, brokers are making a big play of it. I, I've always been very nervous about the whole PT price. It's both a blessing and a curse in equal measure. Mm. Um, and we've seen it, you know, almost every lender in the mainstream is doing that. Is that something that specialist lenders are are going to do more of? I know you guys do, eh? Yeah, we do already. Yeah, um, m- most that... do. So there's yeah. only two or three um, as included because we're, work, you know, we're still quite fresh into the market. So yeah. we're, we're working on um, a potential proposition, but m- most do. My personal view on um, PTs is that they are helpful, Um 
but they potentially do disintermediate the market because yeah. your customer can go back to their existing lender. They go and tie up themselves up for another five-year fix. Um, yes, you might get a tickle of a proc fee off the back of that, and that's great, but they're, they're tying themselves up for five years, so you can't do anything with that customer again, potentially, for five years. So you're pushing out your, A, you're pushing out your income stream that's just been halved. Mm. So I think that, um, you know, yes, yes, they're, they're great for convenience um, and yes, they might be the best thing for the customer. Um, but I don't think you can move away from the fact that you have to go and look at a whole of at the whole of the customer circumstances and a remortgage potentially is a much better mm. proposition for that customer. Um, and, I personal view, I think PTs are used for convenience, yeah. not necessarily because it's always the best thing for that customer. So I, I just it's it's one of those, you know, the 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 lenders lobbied against it for a period of time <laughs> and have all now got on board with yeah. it. The brokers lobbied for it. Um and I just think you need to be really careful what you wish for because actually ultimately does that customer still belong to you? Well they've got a choice well, to do what they want yeah, to do anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um and you're pushing out those five year terms every time. So yeah. I just think that um, they have their place, but I don't think you can underestimate mm. the advice process and um, you know the importance of remortgage. I think I think in the specialist sector it's quite interesting because there's some lenders who can do it because they hold it on balance sheet and it naturally fits with with, with that model. We would we would be one of them. It's been very popular um, for us. We offer new business rates with reduced fees for the client, and we recently put up the proc fee that we pay to brokers on yeah. on, on, on the retention deal. There will be some lenders because of their modelling that it just isn't practical or, or, or they're not able to do it because of the way they're funded. But also uh, I think there's the, the element there that in some areas of, of residential that we do in, in the specialist market, you know you're only going to hold that client for two or three yeah. years if they can get themselves straight. It's almost, you know, it's the a element transitional of credit, lender. Yeah, credit yeah. and repair where, you know, two, three years down the road, you're going to go to perhaps one of those big six. If you've got your situation right, your income is less complex or your credit proposition has, has improved. I, you know, I think they're an important part, but I do think, and what I see is that broke, the, the majority of brokers that I speak to look at the whole of market before recommending it. Yeah. I think the the threat is when the lender writes directly to the customer and says, "Can you just tick this box?" And yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the bit yeah. that I I'm fearful of that will disintermediate the market. I mean, you must know it, Monty. You have to go be constantly engaged with your clients yeah. in that sector to make sure that you get there yeah. before some of the lenders that do it directly. Absolutely. Do it. I mean, our view is retention. Well, retention actually starts from the initial inquiry, yeah. really. Um, and you've got to find ways to keep in contact with your customer. You've got to find ways of, of offering more than just a transactional mortgage service. Mm. Well, I think I, you really do I going you, forward. You came up with a really interesting point a few years ago when the PRA changes came in, particularly around the larger landlords' You know, is there an annual fee to be gained from constantly looking at their, their portfolio because it becomes more complex yeah, and you're doing more work right yeah. the way through the journey of, of yeah. the life cycle of that customer? Yeah. yeah, and if you're not seeing the customers or speaking to them, what are you missing? Because their circumstances change. Well, absolutely. You know, they, they change and, and all know the that time. They have a child. Yeah. Suddenly it becomes more important to, you know, to yeah. take out, um, you know, additional life cover or yeah. things like that that you just completely miss if you're not continuously yeah. um, keeping in contact. Absolutely. Um, and one other area... Um, aid which is is sort of uh, has grown massively is a bridging market, yeah. which I'd put in the specialist yeah definitely specialist arena. Um, how's that developed? It seems it seems like everyone's a bridger these days. There are about two hundred odd bridging lenders. Well, if you've aren't got there money, you can now. lend it short term. Yeah, no, exactly. I, yeah. What? 
I mean, that market's ma- when it's a massive. It's about a five billion market, I think they yeah. estimate now, which is is a sizable market. Yeah. If you if you take that into consideration, uh, you know, what's the the buy to let market? Thirty nine last year. Second charges one billion, so it's five times the size, mm. and and that's what's reported. That takes out probably not reporting private some of the private, private bridging yeah. stuff that that is is done. I mean, we obviously offer it through our, our Interbay um, brand. Um, you get people who want to do projects, their property's not ready to let, they want to do short-term funding. It's become much more competitive. I think I saw a stat that five years ago, the average rate was 1.5%. Yeah. You now can get bridging rates at 0.4, yeah, 0.45% sure. um, a month. We, 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 we only do non-reg bridging because it kind of fits with, with the model that we've got down in, in Interbay. Um, we see people use it for the traditional reasons, you know, to, to, to do up a property and then let it out on a term basis, to do it up or, or sell it in some instances. But also we, we, we see developers use it now because they've come to the end of the development finance, mm. they've got the property on the market, or, or they've got a couple left in the development, they want that extended period to be able to sell those properties and then move on to the, the, the next project of, of, of the build. So, yeah, it, it is it is more popular. You've seen more lenders in it. Um, you do see some private funding in there. You see more some institutional um, funding on that. But it has been driven down by perhaps some of the bigger lenders in the specialist market like yeah. ourselves coming into that yeah. market. Um, right, running out of time. Wow, are but are you? Um, could do it for another hour. Yeah, well, <laughs> Let's I know. Keep on well, going. We could do. Um, broadly positive or negative for the rest of this year, Louisa? Um, I think flat for the rest of this year. I think we will see no uptick in this market until February 2020, and I'm quite specific with February That's 2020 very specific. <laughs> because February. I think we're going to have a um, a very mild winter. And I think we'll whip into February of next year and people go, do you know what? I am so sick of waiting to buy my house. I'm yeah. going to kickstart this. So I'm going for a very good, positive um, 2020. But I think 2019 will be flat. Aid? I'm always glass half full. I, I, we've, we've had a positive start to the year. I, I think... I, I think I've never be... seen you with an empty glass. No, 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 far from it. Always it's half always it, top, top if it gets half, half empty. The next round, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty positive. I mean, we've managed to do 25 odd minutes without mentioning one subject, so I won't I did, bring I it know. up. I know, I was going to say. Um, which, yeah. is, which is really good. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, like we said, don't expect massive growth in the market, but I think for brokers, you know, it's still 75% done through the intermediary channel, and I don't see that changing in no, the short not term. not at all. Yeah. Finally, I like to ask everyone this. If you weren't in the industry doing what you're doing now, what would you do? I always wanted to be a policewoman. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I can see always you as a policewoman. I can, I can see me. I, I think can. there's still time, you know. There is. And I don't think there's an age limit now. But when I wanted to be a policewoman, um, you had to be a, you had to have a minimum height. Is it wrong height. to say I'm picturing you in a police uniform now? Very wrong, Monty. Very wrong. <laughs> However, you had to be a specific height and I wasn't tall enough. Really? So um, well, they've yeah. axed that now, haven't they? They have axed it. So yeah. as long as you're uh, in proportion, you're well. Actually, you do see some rather rounded police women, <laughs> don't you? But as long as your body is in propor- proportion with your height, you can be a police officer. So yeah, I think there's still time for me yet in my career. Well, there you go. I can, yeah, I can, God, I can see a whole <laughs> drama series around. She's a tough, uncompromising cup. <laughs> It doesn't take any... Anyway, uh, Aid, what would you do? I, I think after the way we've sat on this sofa, we could be the new Phil and Holly, to be honest <laughs> with you. Yeah. Although you've, you know, you've got your market. arms folded yeah. there. Yeah. 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 Piers and Susanna, so, um, yeah. 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it being a radio DJ. I think I've got the face for that rather than telling. To be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I do this rather than videos. Um, right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. No, thanks thank for having me. Really good it's time, thank you. time has flown. Uh, thank you, Louisa Sedgwick and Adrian Maloney, and of course, thank you for listening. We'll be back next month. If you have any comments or questions in the meantime to put to either myself or our guests, you can contact me on Twitter at Monty's Blog. Until next time, this is The Mortgage Show signing off.